Behind the Curtain, a production by Project Dance Devon. Written by Karen Moss, directed and produced by Sally Smith. The aim of this production is to look at the effect of the deterioration of brain function, for whatever reason, in a way that may be pure fantasy, or maybe not. As loved ones appear to drift away from life as we know it, is there something more? Is there something only they are aware of? We in the world, we know, may never have an answer to this, unless it happens to us as individuals. Please experience our play with an open mind, because we have no way of knowing, but hope is always there. Meet our characters. Marcus, a skilled academic. Georgie, a boy who loved life. Amelia, a premature baby. Vera, a widow. Gray, a young man struck down in his prime. And Bangman, a disabled boy. This little play is brought to you. Its purpose, to bring hope. The stories you're about to hear, we pray, will help you cope. We've all known people who withdraw for many, many reasons. Some are natural, some are not. Some change, just like the seasons. Each person taking part today in the stories you will hear have things to tell you that may help and keep your thinking clear. Marcus had always been aware of them. As a child, he saw them slightly move and then gather momentum as his eyes opened and he became part of the wider world. Once he was fully, well, integrated is as good a word as any, they disappeared. Marcus was always amazing at any branch of mathematics from his first day at school. He loved sums, then, later, quadratic equations were pure bliss. The passion then lasted into university and a career in pure and applied mathematics was inevitable. Marcus did not get on with people. He had no time for anyone who could not grasp even the simplest of mathematical concepts such as minus numbers. He never married, finding companionship in the pureness of numbers, vectors and other such wonderful, logical, never-changing systems. It was around his 40-something birthday that he noticed them again. Just out of the corner of his eye, they disappeared when he looked directly at them. They would twitch slightly and, despite the movement being slight, it was definitely there. Most people would not have no noticed it at that time. Perhaps, and those who did, would have rushed to get an eye test. Marcus did not do this. The type of man he was, he just accepted it. And because it was not anything to do with his wonderful numbers, he just ignored it. What he was experiencing were the curtains beginning to close. To the world around, it was the first signs and symptoms of dementia. Marcus just called it his curtains. He knew they were closing slowly. Sometimes they opened again, just for a while, but then would begin to close again, the two edges moving ever closer to each other. Marcus wasn't scared. He sometimes thought he should have been, but he really wasn't. He remembered the curtains opening to reveal his world to him as a child, so to know that 
before this time, there was no fear. So, why should there be fear now? Part of him wanted to see what happened when they fully closed, and that is a story for later. Georgie loved sports, any sports. The muddier and sweatier he could get, the better. If there was contact and competition in it, he couldn't get enough. Georgie had a loving family, mum, dad, and a sometimes irritating younger sister, Maisie. He had a dog that was devoted to him, Scamper. But Scamper was completely untrainable, but so loving with it, everyone forgave him. Georgie loved his bike. He'd been promised that when he was 11 years old, he would be allowed to ride it to school as long as he locked it up. Mum and Dad did not earn much money and they had saved and saved to give Georgie this bike for his 10th birthday. He had practised and practised, learnt all about the highway code and passed his cycling proficiency first time with flying colours. His 11th birthday coincided with the first day of the new school term. So, very excited, Georgie donned his birthday presents of helmet and gloves. He put on his high visibility vest and carefully turned on the new lights that Grandma had sent him too. He waved goodbye to Mum, Dad, Maisie and Scamper and, carefully looking behind him, pushed off and began to cycle away. He was a bit wobbly but thought that that was just nerves and excitement. However, he became aware that the wobbles were getting worse. The front wheel was going everywhere but where he wanted it to. He was vaguely aware that Mum, Dad and Maisie were calling to him, but strangely, he could only hear them getting fainter and fainter. As the sound disappeared, he became aware that bright red velvety curtains were closing across his field of vision. He had not time to be scared. It was happening too fast. But he began to wonder what would happen when the curtains closed totally. They were a lovely shade of crimson, he thought to himself as they closed. I forced my way into the world and the journey was so difficult. I was very tired. When I arrived, I was aware that there were others around me, but I couldn't see them due to a gloss on a curtain that was in front of me. It was bluish in colour and shimmered in such a relaxing way, but it was so comforting. I could hear strange noises from the other side of the curtain. I could also feel wet droplets of water falling and seeping through the curtain's soft material. I later learned that this was crying and tears respectfully. I also learned that the words were, why? What did we do? Will she survive? I wondered what it all meant, as all I could discern was a soft, comforting glass hammer. So, what was the problem? Maybe I will understand this later in my journey. Time will tell. I had no idea how long this went on for, but I was happy to go with the flow. At the time, I had no idea that what was happening was not the norm. For me, or for anyone else around me. No idea of the sadness, distress and guilt that was developing. This was a good thing as had I understood all this emotion, I would have probably blamed myself. The curtains were remaining closed. 
I could feel this right from the start. What happens next? As I have already said, time will reveal all. I love cats. I love wine. I love brandy. I really love cats. I've been alone for many years. The love of my life, Jim, died from cancer when he was only 25. I felt very hard done by as we'd been soulmates and he'd gone very fast from the strong, hard-working miner that I'd married to a thin, weak shell of a man. He found breathing difficult, let alone speaking, but on his last day, with his last rasping breath, he managed, I love you, V. I got my first cat by accident. He was a ginger Tom who strayed into my cottage, thin and angry. I think he felt that I meant him no harm, but it was a good three months before I could touch him. He would accept the food I offered him and the comfy bed I made for him out of Jim's old jumper and a failed knitting project of mine. I named him Tom, not very imaginatively, and he was with me for about fifteen years. During this time, I think he must have told all his feline friends about this mad lady who they could freeload from. I ended up with about, no, not about, actually twenty-two cats. I'm not sure when the drinking began, but I was well recompensed for the demise of Jim, so money was never an issue. I remember thinking that the pretty bottles in the supermarket looked so nice that I tried one, then two, then branched out into brandy. Over the years it took its toll, and I began to notice I was missing things. Sleeping for ages, friends stopped coming around. I drank more and forgot these things straight after. I first saw the curtains coming in on me. After waking one morning, or rather afternoon, they flickered and moved closer to each other at a rate of knots. The flickering made me feel really nauseous at first, but then I found the movement relaxing. The curtains were orangey and quite thick. Orange is my favourite colour and really relaxes me, so I felt no anxiety or fear at all. My one concern was the cats, as I realised as the curtains closed that I would not be able to see them or touch them. I knew the windows were open and that they could fend for themselves, but I had a secret hope that they would be able to squeeze behind the curtains too. Grey dictated this to me as his last, I suppose you could call it a testament. I cared for him as he drifted away. Oh, don't get me wrong, he didn't die. He just faded and became unresponsive as the tumour grew. Treatment meant that his life expectancy is actually fairly long, barring infections, court orders, etc. He was keen that this be shared, so here goes. I will do my best to do it justice, but we grew close and I miss him. His wit, his smile and his inner peace. I'm losing words every day, words that were once easy to say. I'm losing sight and hearing too, and one day soon I'll lose you too. I see two curtains drawing tight, I know I head into the night. I want to stay and be the man that life intended, if I can. While I can think 
and speak aloud. I want to say what I'm allowed. Please talk to me as you always do when I can no longer speak to you. The curtains will close one day soon and make me leave you and the room. I have no idea what lies ahead, but I am still here. I am not dead. I'm not scared. I have no fear. I know that you will still be here. You'll care for me and be here still. You will ensure they do my will. Don't starve me. Don't let me die unnaturally. And here is why. I want to see what lies ahead, behind these curtains, by this bed. Bangman got his name from the way he communicated. He was unable to speak, due not only to his malformed jaw, but also to the social circumstances he was born into. His parents abandoned him at first sight. They had money, looks and social standing in the extreme. Therefore, to have produced a baby that was less than perfect was unacceptable to them both. They went as far as to disown him, saying their baby had been stillborn. They took off on a round-the-world cruise, and to all intents and purposes, they totally forgot him. He had never happened. Bangman was brought up in care, a very busy orphanage who had too many children for him to be treated with any individuality. There was no money to get him the surgery that may have made a difference to him. Ironically, the cost would have been pocket change to his parents. As he grew, he began to communicate by banging on anything that would make a noise. He soon learned that this was very irritating and elicited, elicited a response. I joined the orphanage as a volunteer and became fascinated with Bangman, then three years old. I felt that the gaze behind his bright blue, all-seeing eyes was that of an intelligent, inquiring child, trapped in a non-functioning body. Over time, we developed a system of sounds. I gave him wooden blocks, and between us we developed the obvious one knock for yes and two for no. Let me show you. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Would you like a drink? Would you like a story? Shall we do some sums for fun? We then went on to select colours for different things. Red for food, blue for drink are but two examples. Bangman went on to be a happy child, but then, without warning, he began to withdraw. Less and less bangs were heard over time. One of the last colours he showed me was yellow, meaning the sun was too bright or it was time to draw the curtains. Bangman is still with us, but totally withdrawn and shut down to us. He clings to his yellow wooden block to this day.